Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. Hour number three of Sports Talk begins with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson. The program today is at Powell's Personal Auto Locator Service, which is on Wilbanks Road, right off of Callahan Drive, which in turn, right off the interstate, 75 North, the next exit north of Merchants Drive. And you can see everything they can do for you at PowellsKnoxville.com. That's P-A-L-S Knoxville.com. And this time on Thursdays is when we get to say hello to Brent Hubbs of AllQuest.com. His Appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. From design to installation, the team at Diversified has you covered. View their portfolio online at sunandscreen.com. Brent Hubbs, how are you? I'm doing well, John Wilkerson. Hope you're doing well, enjoying the sunshine in Arizona and um, getting ready for a little baseball tomorrow night, right? Time to go. Yeah, it is time to go. And I've, uh, I've thought several times since the plane landed yesterday, the last time that I was out here, it was the uh, three of us, you, me, and Jimmy, and we were ah. covering a national championship game. Yeah, One of the Jimmy. Greatest Dar- weeks I, of sports talk ever. Yeah, it, it, it was. I'm, I'm still not sure how we pulled that week off, but um, that, one, <laughs> that one was a lot of fun. That was uh, my first experience with Arizona where you got up and you put on a hoodie and a toboggan, and then you put on shorts and went to the pool at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and then you're back into your toboggan uh, just after supper. So, um it's a it's it's a great area, and obviously it's been good to Tennessee. Hopefully it'll be good to Tony Vitello's team this weekend. Yep. Uh, 8 o'clock Eastern is the first pitch for the season. Balls in Arizona from the uh, spring training complex for the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. But uh, so much is going on. Uh, why don't we start with certainly what so many people have talked about and, and the fact that the three of us have been blessed to, uh, to cover and be involved with Tennessee athletics for so long. That also includes being able to, to know Gus Manning. And so, so many have shared thoughts, memories, so much in terms of their interaction. What stands out to you when, uh, when you, of course, think of all the many interactions with such a, a, a UT legend? Kindness. He always treated me with such kindness. Um, I understand that everybody that worked for him knew exactly where they stood and and you had to get your job done. And if you got your job done, you worked hard, you played hard, and you had a good time. Uh, He always had uh, the University of Tennessee first and foremost uh, as the priority. Um, And in doing so, he had a good time and he treated people um, just unbelievably well. He was always so kind to me. He he and, and Haywood both, and I know they get lumped together on a lot of things, but those were two guys who took the time to teach you the history. If if you were if you were willing to ask a question, they were willing to they were willing to talk to you about it. And particularly Gus and um, and, and you know to sit down with Gus, whether it was in his office or before a press conference started, or whether it was on a on a bus somewhere or, or whatever, to to hear the stories and to learn about the history of Tennessee beyond the record book, John, and beyond the, what narratives have been, have been written, to, to, to hear it, the firsthand account of it, 
uh, from someone who lived it with the passion and the love and the enjoyment that he lived it with was just a, a true honor and a true blessing. He was funny as could be. Um, I've told this story before. I mean, we're I'm on that trip for the national championship celebration, which took place in August after Tennessee had won the title eight months earlier. And we're in D.C. and um, gone to see the president. We're getting ready to go back to the airport and go home. Tennessee's in the middle of two-a-days. It's kind of a rushed, hurried trip. But they stopped the buses at the Jefferson Memorial to, to let the players get off the bus and see the Jefferson Memorial. And no disrespect to the Jefferson Memorial. I've seen it multiple times. And, you know, I'm working on some stuff for, for radio, and uh, I didn't get off the bus. And I sat on the back of the bus, and Gus was behind me. He didn't get off the bus. As he told me, he, I, I might have I helped build the Jefferson Memorial. You never know what I was doing when the Jefferson <laughs> Memorial was constructed. But he said to me, he said, hey, boy. And I said, yeah, Gus. He said, you remember all them scrimmages we had back last August? And I said, yes, sir, I do. And I'm not going to say exactly what he said because – I thought we were a pretty crappy football team. And he didn't use the word crappy, so you can take it from there. And he said, how in the world did we get to the White House? And and it was perfect because at some point during the day, everybody on that trip probably had the same thought. Because that was a Tennessee team that couldn't score a point in scrimmages in the preseason that previous August. I mean, nobody had them penciled in to win a national championship. But it was blunt. It was honest. It was Gus. He meant no harm. It was not a shot at anybody. It was just a statement of the fact, Jimmy. And you know that. You were going to get a blunt answer from him whenever you ask a question. But but no matter how blunt it was, you accepted it with great reverence because it came from the great Gus Manning. Yeah, he he was uh, he was a treat. I, I enjoyed uh, listening to him, I, John. I think you'll remember this, but we had Gus and Haywood on oh. our pick segment one time, and we were out in Sevier County at uh, at a dealership, and I got to laughing so much I had to get John to finish the name. I, I just they were going after each other about what game to pick. It was one of the funniest moments that I've experienced. Uh, on the air, John, you remember that, don't you? Oh, very much so. And uh, and we we had them together uh, a handful of times. And just as Brent was was highlighting, it it really was you 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 had no idea necessarily where one comment could wind up taking you, because there would be a memory here that would lead to a left turn there yep. and then circle back around. But it was it was just legendary storytelling by yeah. legends. Yeah, I mean, one of my greatest regrets in covering this was I was sitting on the back of a bus going from Chicago city to South Bend, uh, Indiana. And, and I guess it was going to Tennessee's walkthrough the year that they, that Casey Clawson and Tennessee beat Notre Dame up there. And, um, I'm sitting on the back of this bus and we're going, and I, I don't, it wasn't game day. It was, it was the walkthrough on Friday. And I think we were going to South Bend. And I'm sitting there, and the bus had a little table thing. So you had somebody sitting backwards, you know, to with their back to the road going forward. So they were, they were going backwards. And I'm sitting there, and it's Gus, and it's Haywood. And it's about an hour bus ride, 50 minutes, something like that. And it was just them unplugged for 50 minutes. <laughs> and, John, I mean, it was a left turn. It was a right turn. It was a U-turn. It was merging into traffic with no one hitting their brakes because they were interrupting each other. It was comedy. It was sincerity. It, it was It was just – I wish I would have recorded it because it's just one of the – 
I think we I think they covered five five decades in that bus ride in ways that you would have never thought of. It's not anything you would have read in a book anywhere. It was their experiences across five decades on the most random things under the world, trips they had made, places they had eaten, people they had interviewed. This guy fought with this guy about something and I mean it it was fantastic. It it was it was an absolute highlight. My regret is I didn't lay the recorder down and get out of the way. <laughs> oh man. That's just that sounds like pure gold. It was. <laughs> but um, we invite you to join us if you have a question or comment for Brent. You can call or text the number 865-656-9900. That's 865-656-9900. And then Brent also knowing uh, what it was like to just watch the young man experience what he did as well as see it reshape what many thought his future might or might not be. What is the feeling to know that, and I, the rest of the Chiefs can get somewhere, but I couldn't be happier for Trey Smith. <laughs> what do you think about the words Trey Smith, Super Bowl, or World Champion? Well, just you know, just so happy for him. I mean, you're happy for any any player that you know personally uh, that you had a chance to cover, you had a chance to deal with that 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 gets that opportunity and and gets to the pinnacle and they're a great part of it okay it wasn't like he was just on the roster right I mean he, he mm-hmm. started every game and to, to know all that he's been through and, and all that he's persevered through and to, to go from that moment where you're told you're not sure if you're ever going to get to play again to all the testing all the doctors everywhere he had to go to come up with a plan to be able to get to play again you hope that plan works uh, to fight through all of that. And, and every time you fight, as you're fighting through that, you're doing it with the utmost class. You're doing it in, in, in helping the community and helping your teammates. Uh, and, and then to land, you know, where he landed. And, and obviously lost a lot of money because he fell in the draft. Uh, but he landed in a place where he had an opportunity to win. But also a place that where he had an opportunity to play very early. And uh, he he's. You know, the injury to the other guy in training camp his rookie year opened the door for him, and, and no surprise to anyone, he ran through it and um, has, has played really well for the Chiefs and, and obviously is, is a Super Bowl champion today, and um, that's, a, that's a heck of an accomplishment for anybody. I'm with you, John, um, on the rest of them, but for, <laughs> for, for Trey Smith, I'm, uh, I am absolutely elated for him and, and, and tickled to death for him. and. Uh, hopefully he can continue with great health and continue with a long line of success and a long line of championships for himself. That's Brent Hubbs with Jimmy Himes. I'm John Wilkerson. We'll get a break. We've got more with Brent coming up. This is Sports Talk on 99.1 The Sports Animal. Afford Anything is a podcast that teaches you how to be smart with your money. As a small business, you don't have the resources to pay the level of overhead and for the level of services that a Fortune 500 company could afford. So I certainly understand why, if you want to offer benefits, the providers of that, that that fee is going to be higher because there's more account management per employee. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Sports Talk continues with Jimmy Himes. I'm John Wilkerson. Our guest, Brent Hubbs of AllQuest.com. Let's go to the phones and say hello to Michael. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Michael. Hello there. Hi. Jimmy, I just want to say uh, congratulations on your uh, coming retirement. Thank you. I've followed you for a number of years and uh, always enjoyed your work. But um, my idea, I think, is an idea whose time has come, and I know it sounds a little bit ridiculous, but – have, has anyone ever thought about the idea of, of 
doing an exit interview on these, some of these officials, and starting with the NFL, uh, after the games are over with and giving them the lie detector test because I'm telling you, I just see more and more calls not being made and calls being ignored and uh, even b- bad calls being made. So, uh, and not just in the NFL, but even in the SEC. So that's, that's my piece, and that's all I got to say. Thank you. I think, and I'm not. I mean, I, I'm not going to defend officials. Lord knows, I've been plenty critical of them from for, through the years. I don't mean to defend them. Here's one of the things that has happened: a, a, the game's faster than it's ever been, athletically, pace of play, all of those things. The other thing too is, as a, as a spectator, you view more now than you've ever viewed. I mean, there's so many replays. There's so many angles of replays. There's so many slow motions. I mean, think about this. You can freeze frame things now to determine whether there is a small speck of green between the outsole, outsole, outside sole of a guy's shoe and the out-of-bounds line. Mm-hmm. And if the official gets that wrong, he's a bad official. How's he supposed to see that at, at, at a guy running 15 miles an hour? You know what I mean? I, I'm, yeah. Again, I'm not defi- – I'm not defi- – they're – Spotting the ball is maddening to me. Yeah. Yeah. That that they've got a that they should be able technology wise to fix that to improve spotting the ball. But some of the things that you miss, they've been missing probably for years. We just haven't seen it because you haven't had twenty seven camera angles to review everything. Reviews fix some problems, and you say, well, they make a bunch of mistakes. Look how many calls are overturned. Well, gosh, look how many different angles they have to look at it. And you can you can cut it apart and piece it together and come up with, with answers that way. I, I think it's really hard to be an official right now. I, I do. Do I think they're great at their jobs? Some of them I don't think are fantastic. I think some of them have bad days, Jimmy. Um, but, but I do think all of their mistakes are – are more frequently seen now because are exp- they're exposed now because of pace of play, speed of the athlete, and all the television angles out there. Well, my comment is purposely, you know, exposing the refs that are actually throwing the game. That's my main point. So, well, well I don't know Thank anybody you. that's throwing a game on purpose. I don't. Yeah, I don't and, have any evidence. Our of caller that. doesn't either. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't have any evidence that somebody's got a fix in that's wearing that's wearing a, a, an officiating outfit. I would hate to throw a blanket over all officials because there was a an NBA official named Tom Donaghy, whatever his name was. Okay, but I, I think that's very, very rare. Mm-hmm. He was betting on games and stuff, whatever he was doing. But, yeah, that that's rare. I, I don't – I think in, officials have a lot more integrity than that. I, I don't believe they throw games. Now, do I, do I – would I be in favor of – an official commenting on a controversial play after the fact for an yes. explanation? Yes. With, with a pool what, reporter? Pool yes. reporter. I don't think you have to go nope. and take the pool reporter and set him down, guys, and ask him to go play-by-play play on everything. Mm-hmm. But if you have a, a, a Tabaria Jerry Greenline, a magnanimous moment in the game, <laughs> which, which, changes, <laughs> which, which potentially changes the outcome of that game or is a controversial call or a questionable call, I don't. I think we. I think there's no reason why we shouldn't be doing a pool reporter um, to get a comment from that official or that officiating crew as to why that call was made. Whether that's the Josh Dobbs fumble, no fumble in the in the last regular season game of the year, the holding call in the Super Bowl, you know what something's missed in basketball. I, I think we're to the point we ought to be able to do that. And I would extend that to SEC. Mm-hmm, absolutely, yeah, not, not just the pros. not just the pros. Yeah, I, I would extend yeah. it to the college game, mm-hmm. per- yeah. particularly. 100%. Particularly the Power Five college league. Yeah, the well, SEC. 
does such a disservice to uh, not only the fans, but also the officials themselves. I mean, they either got it right or here's what was got, here's what they got wrong. And I mean, because if you're just out there saying, well, here's how the rule should have been interpreted, or here's what should have been the, the way things were handled. I mean, that's exact. That's that gets out of uh, Commissioner Kramer's Jimmy. Any conversation's good conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and and here's the thing that's it's kind of odd. And I'll I'll go back to one of those years covering the SEC spring meetings, and Steve Shaw was the coordinator of SEC officials. He said that if there is enough reaction from the media, Twitter, whatever, then they will come out with a statement addressing that particular play. Now I don't know where that I don't know what that enough means. Five thousand uh, tweets, what I don't know what that number is. But if there's a lot of reaction to it, they will come out and have a statement from the SEC office. Yeah, and and my, my thing with that is, and you can't get inside what an official's thinking at the moment. I would like to hear a little bit more of why it was something was called a certain way or why it was executed, other than we made a mistake. You know what I mean? Like, like was yeah. was was that That's just a, a misinterpretation point. of the rule, which happens? Yeah. Did did you? Did, I mean, why was that not allowed to be reviewed, or why was this? Other than to say it wasn't a reviewable play, we move on. I, th- I think we can get a little more clarity, a little deeper in an explanation, other than we made a mistake or we didn't make a mistake, which is seemingly not just the SEC. That's what the ACC said right after the Duke Virginia game. We made a mistake. Yeah. Well, but why did you make a mistake? Is that not review? Like, what's walk me through the process, mm-hmm. you know, for some clarity on that. I, I think because that's not happened for so long, you have people like the last caller who just called in and, and thinks that there's all kinds of shenanigans and, and things going on with officiating out there because they're 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 kind of this hidden protected species if you will right like like it's you don't talk about the mistakes that they made we don't we don't openly say somebody's been suspended or they're reassigned or this that or the other that they're they're shielded the way they've been shielded that a lot of people think that they're kind of above reproach and i think we can knock that barrier down or we should knock that barrier down a little bit yeah i think that's well said let's go next to steve you're on sports talk hello steve hey fellas hey Hey, Brent, uh, at the end of spring practice, who are some people you think that might be getting talked about with excitement uh, from the fans uh, in practice this spring? Who are different people you think could be people that people are really excited about? Oh, doggone Steve, I left my magic eight ball in the car. (laughs) Uh, uh, (laughs) Sources say he's right. Right. Um, I think Dante Thornton, again, I think when you look at the 19 newcomers that right. are here, and that's what everybody's right. going to focus on, right? 19 newcomers. Right. You, you know who Aaron Beachley is. You know who these guys that have played a whole lot are. So the, right. a lot of the focus is on the 19 newcomers and a handful of guys who didn't really you know, make an impact this past year, like a Caleb Webb, a Chaz Nimrod, and some places like that. I right. think when you look at the 19 newcomers, the transfers are the first place you start because those guys know what to expect. Those right. guys know what spring practice is all about. They know what the grind is. They know how to work. So you're talking about um, your, your linebacker transfer from BYU, Dante Thornton, who everybody – Dante Thornton everybody's talking about right now. 
because skilled athletes show up this time of year more than more than other guys because there's no pads, right, right? right? I mean, it's easy right. to see if a guy can run or guy can jump. It's hard to tell if the guy can block because they're not blocking anybody. But but I think the experienced guys, the transfer guys, are going to be the guys that probably make the most noise. There'll be a freshman or two that that flash, you know. Um, right. I, I think people are going to talk about Nico because he throws it well. It's pretty. I, now, watching him in a spring game, you know, doesn't mean he can execute the offense and he's ready to go and and all those types of things. But right. th- you know, they brought in good players, and and there's some there's some guys who are going to show up from John Slaughter to um, those linebackers. I think will will show up some, and and again, I think the transfers are probably the first place you start, Steve. Okay, I just thought you know. Uh, and, you know, there are some players that hadn't done a whole lot yet. It's been there three or four years, you know. Yeah. Uh, that might, uh... Here's the other thing, too. I'm, and I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to make sport of anything, Steve. I'm a little cautious with that answer because I, I have, for every Kelly Washington, right, who made a bunch of right. buzz in January and February, and I'm not picking on there's, there, there's also a Woody Quinn who was the <laughs> summer rage who never got on the field. Right. So, at, at, you know, you have to see them. Even the skill guys, you got to see in pads to know whether or not they can physically handle the game and, and go about the game. So, I, I'm probably a little more cautious than I used to be with with throwing out a bunch of random names out there. That's why I cheated and hedged with those transfer guys because they've all played at their previous stop at this level. So, you know, physically they're able to handle it. Now, mentally they got to learn the system, but Jimmy, they physically have shown. They can play at this level. You don't know about those other guys, how ready they are until you get out there and really see them in pads and go because everybody thought Woody Quinn was going to go and help a football team, and, and he, he just physically couldn't do it. And there's others. I don't mean just me to pick on him. He's yeah. one that pops in my mind that just couldn't physically do it. They used to have some running backs like Mark Jones or – or the guy named uh, Brewster or whatever. That went oh, to yeah, Hawaii. Michael Brewster and, went to Hawaii and Kirsten Biggers. They're spring MVPs, man. And the reason they're spring MVPs is because the three starters are like, you're not taking any contact. Yeah. You know, you're not taking – it's like it's like it tied in. There will be a walk-on tight end or two who, who people probably will talk about, um, and maybe they make some strides. But are you going to get Jacob Warren beat up in spring practice? I'm not when I look at the depth I have at tight end. I'm gonna be really care. I'm gonna be really cautious with him. I'm not gonna beat him up and 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 take a bunch of extra contact for him because if something were to happen to him, then you got to transfer it tight end and then you got a bunch of walk-ons who've never played before. So some places you're gonna be a little cautious, right? And 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 that's gonna open up the door for some opportunities to, for guys to make some some plays in spring uh, that fans will see in a spring game who may or may not ever factor in in the fall. That's Brent Hubs with Jimmy Himes. I'm John Wilkerson. We'll get a break. Sports Talk continues today. The show at Powell's Personal Auto Locator Service on Will Banks Road, right off of Callahan, which is right off of I-75, just north of Merchants Drive. Sports Talk rolls on on 99.1, the sports animal. Sports Talk continues with Jimmy Himes. I'm John Wilkerson. Our guest, Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com. Question or comment for Brent, 865-656-9900. That's 865-656-9900. Use that number to call the program or text the show. And Brent's appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. Let's check in with Alan. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Alan. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey, Alan. I've had a good day. I've been humming that 
Leonard Skinner song uh, that goes, We Own Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been, been a good one. Hey, Brent, t- two questions, or all of you. Um, one, I think we all were impressed with the defense last night, and Barnes even said it might have been the best he'd ever seen. Th- those comparisons are, you know, always hard to make, and especially with defense, we tend to not remember that. Um, but uh, question one, could you try to put into words what uh, that what we saw last night on defense, whether you compare it to some other game or compare it to a scale of one to ten or whatever? And, and the second question, what one thing happened last night that best symbolizes the state of Tennessee basketball? On that one, I have a – uh, my, my own answer. Well, let's hear your answer first. That way I'll know the context oh, of the no, question. No, no, I, no. I'm I got to know the context of what you mean. Okay. I mean, the, the, the fact that Tennessee well, I, lost two buzzer beaters and came back and, and beat the number one team in the country is a Tennessee thing. Yeah. So that's okay. there. And, well, and, I'll, t- and, I'll tell you mine. Okay. Mine was that we did not rush the floor. And and I think what that symbolizes is that we're at a place where we expected to beat the number one team in the nation. And and when we did, we were excited. We sang Rocky Top and Dixie Dan Land Delight and, and did the whatever pose, you know, the Karate Kid pose and all that stuff. Um, but, but, I mean, any other time in Tennessee history where we – in essence, expected to beat the number one team in the country and, and, and sort of, you know, not totally took it in stride, but, you know, kind of expected sure. it. Anyway, well, that, that, well, that just and, and stuck I, and to with your, me. To your point, I think that's a credit to the success of how well Tennessee has played against the best competition they played in Thompson Bowling Arena. Right? I mean, the number of top ten wins under Rick Barnes on their home on Tennessee's home floor – uh, is pretty impressive. You know, you got Arizona and you've got other top ten teams that have come in there, won. Uh, I mean, look, Bruce Pearl won a bunch of games against top ten teams too and created this idea that for Tennessee fans, when they go to the arena and it's a big ball game, you know two things. One, you, you know the fan base is going to be really good and really electric, okay? It's, it, it's going to be loud. And two, it's going to be loud because there's an expectation that that team is going to play really well on their home floor because they have against elite competition at home for a while now. That was not an anomaly that they played well against the best team in the country at home. Um, and, and that's yeah. a credit to what Rick Barnes has done on the home floor. I think some of that started, obviously, with Bruce Pearl as well. When you go back and look, the wins over Florida, the win over Texas, some of the things he did when he was the head coach at, at Tennessee. As for your question about the defense last night, it is hard to put a, to put a qualifier on that because, you know, some nights you can hold somebody to a low point total. Maybe they just shot the ball poorly, and that wasn't necessarily your great defense. The best way I can – kind of capsulize how good the defense was last night is in 26 minutes Jamal Meshack did not score in the game but arguably had the greatest effect on the game of anybody and that says a lot about what what they did defensively last night and um, had the best plus minus they had the best plus minus and this this stat was out there um by someone who does who does this it was all the you know big picture stat stuff national guy put this out there that when Jamal Meshack was on the floor, Brandon Miller had four free throws and didn't make a field goal. 
when Meshack was not on the floor, Brandon Miller scored four field goals. He was over with Meshack on the floor. Now, Meshack didn't have him every time because they were switching some screens. So you can't say that necessarily. But with Meshack on the floor, he didn't make a field goal. He made his field goals when Meshack was on the bench. T- to me, that that sums up what Tennessee's defensive effort was last night. Because, I mean, Brandon Miller is going very high in the draft. <laughs> very, very high in the draft. Because the guy can fill it up if he gets open looks. Um, I think he missed one real open look last night from three. Everything else was was contested really well. Alan, we sure do appreciate it. Uh, I'll chime in on this, on Alan's point. Uh, I do think that it was, that I it did stand out because I was in the air at the time the game was taking place. Tennessee beat the number one team in the country, did not rush the floor. Um, and, of course, that is a complete night and day difference from at South Carolina in football when the uh, students are cheering and chanting overrated about the Tennessee Volunteers, and then they rush the field after beating them. And it's like you can't have both. It can't be one and the other. <laughs> you, you've apparently drawn a line and then crossed it yourself. Uh, so that was sure. – and, again, I think, John, I mean, Alabama in football wasn't the number one team in the country, but Tennessee hadn't been competitive at home against Alabama since 06. The average yeah, margin of defeat was – Yeah, and the average margin of defeat was three touchdowns in Neyland – over three touchdowns in Neyland Stadium. Their closest games were at Alabama. Yeah, and, and so a lot of it is just kind of how you play. I mean, I mean, there's a, there's a belief that you bring the best team in the country into Thompson Bowling Arena to play – Tennessee going to show. They're going to show in a big-time way because there's so much evidence that they will do that. I think that's part of it as well. John, what did you mention earlier? Tennessee's won six in a row at home against top ten teams? Yes. Pretty that's, good streak, right? That's pretty good. That means you're playing yeah. pretty good basketball on your home floor. Mm-hmm. Let's get a call from Sam. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Sam. Hey, guys. Uh, you know, I was just wondering what all it's going to take us to beat Kentucky this weekend with us going up there. And, you know, they usually play good basketball games when they're on their home field and all. So, Well, I think the first thing you got to do is you got to treat last night like you treated the Vanderbilt loss or the Missouri loss. you got to flush and move on. You can't, you can't sit around and bask in the glow of winning it. You've got to show maturity there. You know, is Jonas Adu going to have the maturity that that he needs to to, to put back to back games together, and 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 can he defend Oscar? Um, you know, how, how do they manage him? And and then Tennessee has got to, you know, they they've got to find a way to put the ball in the basket. They just, I mean, they didn't. They, their defense wasn't bad against Kentucky and Knoxville. They just couldn't score. You know, and they just cannot have. Look, this team's not going to score eighty five points a game. That's not who they are. But but they've got to get in the sixties. Um, you know, and, and do the things that they did last night, um, you know, and, and play that way. Connected, play great on defense, and, and be smart on offense. They didn't turn it over. The other thing, too, is, I mean, you got 26 points off turnovers last night? Yes. I mean, that that's that's huge. I mean, I mean, because you got 12 steals. As, as Rob Lewis mentioned on, on our uh, full-court press report they did last night, you can get 26 points off turnovers when they're not dead ball turnovers. And a lot of those turnovers were in, in the course of play where the, where the game wasn't stopped, and, and that allows you to get points off turnovers. Tennessee's got to create offense with their defense in, in Rupp Arena. Uh, that's going to be a desperate Kentucky team. They were fortunate to get out of Starkville last night, um, you know, with a the win. They're, they're trying to get in. They need every win they can get. They will be ready to play 
um, big time, and they will not be they will not be bothered by physicality. I thought Alabama was. I don't think Kentucky will be bothered by the physicality that Tennessee wants to play with. Sam, another thing is when I read think back to the first Kentucky matchup, Tennessee was not very good shooting two pointers. Uh, Zakai Ziegler couldn't finish. Their their two point percentage in that game wasn't good. They've got to be able to finish more shots either around the rim or mid range jump shots. That's Jimmy Himes with Brent Hubbs. I'm John Wilkerson. We'll get a break. A final segment to this hour of Sports Talk is next on 99.1 The Sports Animal. Are you ready for hard-hitting observations? Reality remains reality no matter how hard you try to ignore it. The Ben Shapiro Show brings you all the news you need to know in America today. Again, I'm all here for the pop culture, people dating each other for the press. Ben breaks down the culture and never gives an inch. Every so often, and by every so often, I mean literally every 27 seconds if the producer gets fired. The Ben Shapiro Show, on YouTube or wherever you listen. Final segment to this hour of Sports Talk with Jimmy Himes. I'm John Wilkerson, our guest Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com. And Brent's appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosure. And screen. Brent, among the many things going on at VolQuest right now, I know you guys are really excited about uh, somebody that's going to help you guys cover Tennessee baseball this fall, podcast style. Yeah, we've got uh, Luke Lipschitz going to join us on the Porch Podcast. You like that name? It was the great creativity that come out of my head um, that Eric Kane's <laughs> that Eric going to do weekly, and we're, we're looking forward to it. You know, it's a. I, I think baseball players give the best perspective on baseball because it's such a it's such a mental game. There's so many things to it beyond the physical element of, of you know, catching a fly ball, John, or, or, you know, hitting the baseball. I mean, there, there's so much to it other than just what you see and, and to get in, try to get inside a player's head. And, and, you know, he knows plenty of people on this team. So we're looking forward to that. When the first installment's out today, Eric will do with, with that with him weekly. And uh, we're excited about that and, and looking forward to that being a part of our baseball coverage and uh, looking forward to covering this baseball team. That's that, lots of lots of questions um, about what this lineup's going to look like, but obviously a lot of expectation because of what they can do on the hill with, with that, that group of pitchers. Yeah, you uh, you look at the newcomers in terms of those that are joining the program and likely going to fill a number of the spots that were vacated by a record number for Tennessee of draft picks last year. Um, and then you return so much of what was just an incredible staff as Tennessee led the nation in home runs and in ERA, and that hadn't been done in more than 50 years. Yep, again, should be fun. Look, I think there's going to have to be some patience, too, because this lineup is going to get juggled around, and they're going to look different night to night for probably the first month until they kind of figure out where they are and where they settle in at some spots. Uh, but that's going to also just continue to create depth for them as well. So uh, there's, with justified reason, a lot of excitement about things getting started up this weekend. Why don't we work in a quick call from David. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, David. Yeah, just a quick question for Brent. You know, I was brought up in the era of Bobby Denton, uh, Gus and Haywood, Bill Anderson, John Ward, and even Mike Keith and Brent there, and they've always been great to listen to. But somebody I was always curious about is Mickey Deerstone. I always thought he was fantastic. And uh, if I could, just a few comments about Mickey Deerstone. Thanks. Have a good one. Uh, Mickey Deerstone has about a four handicap because he's retired. <laughs> he's going to the senior <laughs> he's tour, a, Jimmy. That's right. He's going to be on the senior tour uh, pretty soon. Yeah, I've, I've played golf with Mickey, and Mickey did a great job. And 
was uh, was our boss for a number of years as uh, a, a program director with the sports animal and uh, did a terrific job calling the Lady Vols basketball games. I, I thought he was really, really good in, in that regard. So, But, yeah, uh, Mickey was uh, been a fixture here and uh, did a terrific job, and we appreciate uh, what he has done, and, and he's, he really is a good golfer. I've had a chance to play with him a few times. He can play. Pretty good athlete in general. Yeah, he was a real good baseball player. Yeah. Played uh, minor league baseball. And uh, uh, one quick story, I, I, I'm haunted by number 18 at Willow Creek because – I was struggling one day, and I hit a shot from the fairway up there at about two feet for Gimme Birdie. I thought, well, I'm going to win this hole. And so from about 160 yards, Mickey knocked it in the hole for an eagle. So you ain't winning this hole. So thank you, Mickey. Thank you, Mickey. I'm sure you lived that one I, down, right? No, and I hate I hate playing 18 at Willow Creek. I'm sorry, folks, at Willow Creek, but that, that hole haunts me now. Uh. I, I played in a scramble with him at um, at the old Eagles Landing. Yeah. And uh, for about three holes, I looked like I knew what I was doing. And Mickey was pretty fired up. I was like, hey, you're all right. You can help us, whatever. Then for the other 15 holes, I was I was obsolete and of no value to anyone. It was get out of the way. <laughs> but for three holes, for three holes, I was worthy of being in one of the two carts. After that, I wasn't. <laughs> you weren't locked in. You didn't stay locked in. I did not stay connected or locked in. <laughs> You've seen my game. There's nothing locked about my game <laughs> other than it's going left at some point. <laughs> hey, Brent, what else will folks find at BallQuest right now? Uh, we've got the Mailbag Podcast up today, which is um, actually pretty entertaining with some with some different stories and things that, that come out in our Mailbag Podcast. And uh, then we've got uh, the baseball preview that I just mentioned, uh, more football stuff out there, basketball stuff, more on uh, j- j- uh, on Mayshack's performance last night. And we'll have the war room tomorrow. Baseball coverage all weekend long. And obviously could, coverage of Tennessee, Kentucky coming up Saturday from Rupp Arena. Brent, we always appreciate it. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of the week. And uh, also a quick update on what's next for Eli and wrestling. We go to individual sectionals on Saturday at Elizabethan. So uh, we're looking for a trip to the state tournament in Nashville if we can uh, work our way through that bracket on Saturday at Elizabethan. So that's the next stop uh, before hopefully going to Nashville for the state tournament next week. All right. Well, congratulations to him on the district title, and uh, best of luck to uh, him as well as all the Eagles that are continuing to wrestle. But, Brent, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. Sebastian Maniscalco. I'm a comedian. In my 20s, I wasn't, like, in a company. And I don't know, like, how marketing, sales. Yeah, you're a brand. You're a company. Yeah. and Like Jay-Z says, I'm a businessman. Yeah. Yeah. To that. Remind me not to quote any hip-hop lyrics again. That was just a big miss. <laughs> when you first said I'm like, yeah, he's a businessman. Yeah, I nailed it at the end. I pulled it together. It just took me a minute. The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen.